0: Praise God, praise God. Well, we're very thankful today that God would give us the privilege to come together and to worship the Lord. And again, we welcome all of you. It's good to see you, Sean. Awesome. I'm glad to see you coming here on a pretty regular basis. I'm I'm liking that. And and I just met a brand new, first-time guest today, That, and I'm trying, I'm trying so hard, but my, my mind is just failing me, so tell me again your name. Thank you for coming. We're so glad you're here. Praise God. And if you've been coming here for a week or two, then we just consider you a part of us, and we're happy to have you and if you're first time then we want you to know we're glad you're here and we hope that you'll like it but most importantly we've come here to meet with God and oh you know I just I felt God really dealing with my heart about what I'm going to preach on this morning and I hope that you'll just give me a little a few moments a few moments of your time I'm going to try to not waste your time but I'm one of these guys that I fear God. I never get in the pulpit and just say, oh, okay, we'll just read from... I always try to seek the Lord because you are very precious people and I have to answer to God for what I preach. So the Lord gave me a a message. And again this morning when I got up early this morning... God even gave me more in the same on the message, and so I have a little bit I won't be long. So Sam, I'm so glad to see you making a fresh start for God. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter eight: I'm going to the word of God, and I hope that you will help me preach this morning. If you look a little bit sleepy, I'll try to get that out of you. Hallelujah. Are you ready? Okay, we're going to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall you observe to do, that you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that they might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. And for a few moments, I'm going to preach to you on a message I believe God gave me. and I'm just going to call it Duck James. You'll find out later why. God bless you. You may be seated. How many has found that God's love is, is like a parent's love? Sometimes he has to allow his children to struggle a bit. I I don't like those times, but, you know, God knows best. Father knows best. God allowed the Israelites to wander in the desert for 40 years. But while they were wandering in the desert, he made sure they were fed. He made sure they didn't overheat in the desert. He made sure that their feet didn't swell It was called tough love. God allowed their difficult situations to work for their good. It was a needed but humbling experience. They had to learn that God was in control even when things were not going well. God, through Moses, instructed them that they would enter the land of promise. And when they did, they were not to get puffed up. They had to always remember that it was God that brought them through the wilderness, not their own abilities. For it was true that they most certainly didn't get it done by themselves. And through it all, God taught his people the high value An extreme urgency of complete obedience to the voice of God. Remember what the Word says. I read earlier, Man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. You see, it was in the wilderness experience We all like smooth seas and the sunshine and everything going well and the boss walking up and slapping you on the back instead of slapping you a little bit lower. But it's in the desert wilderness that God's people were taught to trust God's voice rather than murmur. In the desert, they couldn't produce their own food. In the desert, they learned that they had to depend on God for food. For their very lives, their food came by the Word of God. They had manna because it came by His Word. They had bread because of His voice. Psalm 138 says, I will worship toward thy holy hill. And praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. Watch. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. As I stand here today, I almost tremble. Because I'm quite sure that you don't realize the importance of what God is about to say to you. I have seen so many who have gone astray because they hid from the voice of God. The voice of God would speak and they would, I can't hear you. Or they would literally hide. Remember, this goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. They heard The voice of the Lord God walking, the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. I hid myself. Notice what Adam did and it changed the trajectory of the whole human race. When he heard the word of God he hid from it. When he heard the voice of God speaking to him he hid. Always. I say this with so much emphasis as much as I can give you. Always revere the voice of God. Cultivate a deep respect for the voice of God. Always be the guy that wants to be the one who hears what God is saying or the gal who hears what God is saying. Cultivate that, work on that. David, remember, said, thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Even above the name, he has magnified his word. And this is something I've noticed over the several years now that I've been a minister of the gospel. People who make it all the way home are people who have a deep love and respect for the voice of God. In the Bible, when Satan would rise up to destroy a man, hear me now because he does he's, he's so dumb. He never changes his tactics. We've got them right here in the word of God. We know the devil's tactics. Whenever the devil would rise up to destroy a man or a woman or even a nation, he would try to alienate that man, that woman, or that nation from the voice of God. When the devil's trying to destroy a nation, he will try to get them to block out the voice of God. Take the 10 Commandments out of every courtroom. Forbid reading of the word of God in the school system. Don't listen to the voice of God. That's always his deal when he's trying to destroy a nation or when he's trying to destroy a man or a woman. He will try to destroy them from hearing the voice of God and to achieve his evil purpose. Satan has to be able to alienate you from the leader that God uses to bring his word. It may be me, it may be somebody else, but a preacher who is called of God will walk to the pulpit, open the Bible, and begin to read, and the devil knows that he can't get you to fault God, but he can get you to look at the human frailties of the messenger, and therefore get you to plug your ears and not hear the voice of God. In the days of Moses. In Numbers chapter 16, they gathered themselves together against Moses, against Aaron, and said unto them, you, you take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift you up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord? And when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. You know, if you want to know the truth, Moses didn't ask for that job. He tried to get out of it. (laughs) And when they said, you're taking too much upon you, who do you think you are? Moses just fell on his face. During the times of the kings of Israel, listen, the people of God were going through an intense famine. And when at last the king of Israel finally met up with the prophet Elijah, he growled at Elijah and here's what happened in 1 Kings eighteen seventeen. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? This attitude toward the voice of God and the man who brought it would eventually bring King Ahab's untimely death. Ahab, the king of Israel, proposed to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, that they should jointly go to battle at Ramoth-Gilead. And Jehoshaphat consented. But he said, first, before I, I go up to fight with you against those people, he said, I want to hear the voice of the Lord. I want to hear what the word of the Lord says. And when Micaiah... The man of God was brought in to speak. He warned King Ahab by the word of the Lord that if he went up to this battle, he would not be coming home. You know what? I can't tell you how many times the word of God has saved me. I can't tell you how many times an, an elder has walked up and, and preached a sermon to me. And it changed the trajectory of my life. I stand here a beneficiary of the voice of God. Wow. And when he told him if you go to this battle, King Ahab, you won't be coming back. The king of Israel's response is in 1 Kings 22:18. He said unto Jehoshaphat, did I not tell thee that he would prophesy no good concerning me, but evil? And 1 Kings 22:26, and the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah, carry him back unto Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus saith the king, Put this fellow in the prison, feed him with the bread of affliction, with water of affliction, until I come in peace. And Micaiah said, If thou return at all in peace, the Lord hath not spoken by me. And he said, Hearken, O people, every one of you. Notice, Micaiah was simply giving what God had given to him and he said, okay, if you come home in peace, then I'll tell you something, I missed it. I, I didn't hear from God, but if I've heard from God, you'll come home in a body bag. That's what he said to Ahab. And Ahab's answer to that was, I told you, I told you that preacher's against me. I told you he would not prophesy anything good concerning me. And Ahab missed the point that God was just using a human vessel to speak to him and he denied the voice of God. Now on the other end of that spectrum, there's a man by the name of Samuel. He heard the voice of God. He responded with these words, here am I. And his life was a huge success because when God voice spoke to him he said, here I am it really is that simple not hiding from the voice of God not staying away from the person maybe that God has used to bring you the word this is why the devil doesn't want anybody going to church anymore he doesn't want you watching online he doesn't want you in service he doesn't want you to hear the preaching of the word of God Elijah, how many know that Elijah was a mighty prophet, a mighty man of God? But let me show you why Elijah was such a mighty man of God. The secret is found in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse nine. Here is the secret of Elijah's power. He came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in. Pieces, the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so that when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood in the entering end of the cave. And what I want to show you is is that Elijah wasn't moved by the earthquake. He wasn't moved by the fire. He wasn't moved by the great wind. But when the the still small voice of God spoke, he so reverenced that voice that he wrapped his head in his mantle and he stood to attention because he recognized the value He recognized the importance of that still small voice. And God gave him direction. Going on. Another one of God's heroes is King David. We talk about him a lot. But do you know the secret of why David ended up so well and did so well? I'll show you the secret it's written in his own words and psalm 119 verse 11 gives you the reason for david's success he says thy word have i hid in my heart that i might not sin against thee when when god said Seek my face. David said, Lord, my heart said, thy face will I seek. This is the secret to every successful Christian, to every successful person who's going to live on the planet is to value and respect and revere the word of God and to listen to it and not to hide from it. And when God says something that's different than what you're wanting, you don't just turn and say, well, I think I'm just going to stay away from there for a while. That didn't work for Adam. Won't work for you either. You know, if the nation of Israel had had a reverence for the word of God, it wouldn't have been declared that they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. That is is such a strong statement until there was no remedy, no cure, no, no help for that. The prophet Amos prophesied, listen, in Amos 8 and 11, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Now that is a far worse situation than a natural famine. It's the most grievous of all famines. A famine of the word is a time in which no prophet should appear. There'll be no spiritual counselor. There'll be no faithful reprover. There will be none any longer who will point out the way or will assure you of the mercy of God on your repentance and return to Him. This Famine of the word is the severest of God's judgments on this side of the worm that never dieth and the fire that is never quenched. The most severe judgment of God is for God to say, Okay, I'm going to remove my word. It's a famine of the word, not a famine of bread, not a famine for thirst of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Laryngitis is terrible. But to lose the voice of God is far worse. You can juke and jive, jump and hop through the Pentecostal bird, but you better be able to hear the voice of God. For 400 years, when that prophecy was made from the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament, 400 years went by, and God said, "I'm going to do what I told you I'm going to do." And they had a famine of the word. There was no prophet. There was no person who stood up and said, "Thus saith the Lord." For 400 years it was dark silence between the Testaments, until John the Baptist, who was introduced to us in the New Testament, but who lived under the Old Testament. do you understand? He's recorded in the New, but he's the, he's the last of the Old Testament prophets. Jesus said the law and the prophets were until John. And what does the Bible say about John? After 400 lonely, miserable, silent years, it's the twilight of the Old Testament. In Matthew 3 and 3, For this is he that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying, What? What is he? He's the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. For the first time in 400 years, the voice of God was heard. It was heard from a guy that didn't look so great and didn't have a lot of the king's manners, but he was a rough guy that lived out in the wilderness and and he ate locust and honey. And when he looked at you, he said, Generation of vipers, who has warned you of the wrath to come? He didn't mince on his words but he brought the voice of God and the voice of God cost cost him his life because he looked up at Herod and he said it's not right for you to have your brother's wife. And for that he was executed and beheaded. But it was the voice of God And that was the last voice of God in the Old Testament. But once again, the voice was back. But what would God use as his vehicle to bring the voice of God to we who actually live under the New Testament dispensation? Well, to get that answer, you go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, and it says, I, John said, was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me, what? A great voice. I heard a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book, send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice. I recognized that voice. John did not recognize the appearance of the glorified Christ. Like Mary Magdalene, she did not recognize the appearance of the glorified Christ. John said he looked different, I promise you. He said he was, his hair was white as wool. He was so bright, he shone like the noonday sun. A sharp two-edged sword came out of his mouth. He said he burned so bright that I went like this, and I actually couldn't see. I couldn't know who it was, but I heard his voice. And I turned to see the voice. I wanted to see that voice. I recognized that voice. I've heard that voice on the side of Galilee. I heard that voice in Nazareth. I heard that voice in Jerusalem. I recognized that voice. I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. What was John trying to tell us? He was trying to tell us that God has ordained, that by the foolishness of preaching that the voice of God would come in the New Testament because when he said, I turned to see the voice, he said, I saw seven golden candlesticks and he had in his right hand seven stars. And if you look at the word of God in verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. The Greek word is angelos which means messenger or means pastor. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Listen, folks. The number seven is one of the most significant numbers in the Bible because it is the number of spiritual perfection. It is a number which is stamped on every work of God. The seven candlesticks, the seven churches of Revelation represent the church of Jesus Christ from its birth on the day of Pentecost to the day of our catching away at the rapture. And John the Revelator got a Revelation concerning the voice Of God he said Here's the voice of God in the New Testament I turned to see the voice And I saw seven golden candlesticks And in the midst of the seven golden Oh listen you can find God on the golf course I find God on my prayer walk, in my secret prayer place. But if you want to know where you're really going to find God, you go and you get in the middle of the ecclesia. Because in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks is one who died for you and rose again. You're always going to find him in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. You're going to find him in the middle of the church. Therefore, the devil says, you don't need the church. All you need is God. Just walk with God. You don't need the church. He's a liar. The church today is the voice of God in the New Testament. That's why you hear people say, I love God, I just don't love that church. I love God, but I just don't want to have anything to do with Christians I love God, but I just don't think I need somebody to preach to me. I love God. And they'll say, I'll never walk away from God. I'm just walking away from the church. But they don't know that Adam did that way back in the garden. He hid from the voice of God. I'm telling you, in the New Testament, John said, I looked to see the voice. And I saw the seven golden candlesticks, which is representative of the church. God's voice. In the New Testament. Well, I'm not quite done. I'm gonna take a couple more swings for a quit. First Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty one. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Paul wrote to Timothy, the young minister, and he said, "Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Well preacher, I just don't want you talking doctrine. I'm sorry. The voice has got to speak doctrine. It's got to reprove sometimes. There's a rebuke that'll come sometimes. But it's never to hurt you. It's always to help you. It's always to instruct you. It's always from the Lord. It's nothing to do with me. It's everything to do with God and his plan for this New Testament people. So he tells them that they preach the word. And then he said, verse three, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust, after their own desires, shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of evangelists, make full proof of thy ministry. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost burning in me right now. I've given my life to this cause, and I believe it is the cause of God, and this book is correct. I believe with all of my heart that you will need Holy Ghost anointed preaching of the pure word for you to complete your mission. I believe that in order for me to complete my mission, I need the preaching of the Word of God myself. I need prayerful preaching. I don't need sermonizing. I don't need somebody getting up and trying to wow me with their intellect. But I need powerful preaching. I need anointed preaching. I need to hear the Word of God direct when I'm about to make a step. I need God to speak directly to me. I need Him to tell me exactly what He wants me to do. And I rejoice in that. There is no power like the power of God that God sends when the preaching is preached as commanded by God. Did you know that the preaching of the word will actually carry you in the spirit? I found it. I'm in Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me. and He carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. See? Even if you're in a valley of dry bones... And the situation seems hopeless. Don't hide from the voice of God. If you suspect that the voice of God may offer different advice than what your plans are, don't hide from the voice of God. The voice of God is never to bring harm to you. The Word of God is to give you direction and guidance, understanding. Even if you're in the middle of a a dry valley of bones... And situation seems hopeless. The wo- anointed preached word of God is the answer. Because remember, in that situation, God said to Ezekiel... Prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. How's that going to happen? He said, Ezekiel, preach to those bones. There's something wrong with a person who can worship and praise God. And when the preaching starts, they find every excuse in the world to go outside. Just going to tell you straight today. I need the Word of God. I love to praise God. I come to the house of God to worship the Lord. I want to enter His gates with thanksgiving, into His courts with praise. I believe in that. You know I believe in it. I practice it every time we come to the house of God. And not because of you, but because a long time ago I said, God, You are worthy. You are worthy of my praise. Whether I feel good or not, You are worthy of my praise. I'm going to do my best to praise God every time I come to the house of God to enter His gates with thanksgiving thanksgiving into his courts with praise i'm thankful for that opportunity i still know who is the king of glory the lord strong and mighty the lord mighty in power he is the king of glory i come to the house of god i echo that in my heart i say lord you're the king of glory i didn't come in here sit down with a reader's digest or with a little stinky cell phone And sit here and act like you are the most or the least important person in the world. When I come into the house of God, you see me with my my cell phone. It's because I'm trying to get people to watch this service online. But I promise you, when I walk into this house, I come with the praise of God upon my mouth. And with a thanksgiving in my heart, I walk into the house of God not to please you. Oh, no! I come into the house of God to please the Lord. But I know that equally... When I sit in that pew, whether it be one of these preachers that are in this church or it be a visiting minister or I'm going somewhere else and I'm going to a conference, I want you to know that I'm not a guy that when you're not around, I don't worship. And I'll tell you something else, when you're not around, I still like to sit down as close to the front as I can get. And when the preacher starts preaching, my eyes are following his every movement. I have learned since I was a child that the voice of God can make a difference Between my success and my failure, I feel the Holy Ghost. Can you tell? Nothing like the anointed word of God. Zeke said, I prophesied as I was commanded. He said, As I prophesied, you wouldn't believe it, he said you want me to tell you what happened? While well, I was prophesying, there was a noise. I heard a bang and a clatter and a shaking and the bones coming together. And when I, I looked and I saw sinews and flesh coming up on those bones. And, and I saw skin covering them and there was no breath. And, and God said, okay, and it's the Word that's still powerful. Prophesy to the wind. Prophesy, sovereign man. Say unto the wind, thus saith the Lord God. Come for the four winds. And Breathe upon these slain. Why? That they may live. I'm gonna tell you something. The devil knows the power that's in the voice of God. He knows the power that's in the word of God. He wants to distract you every time somebody gets up to preach. If they don't do just exactly exactly how you like or they don't keep it down the exact certain a few minutes that you're willing, you just turn them off and, and walk away and say, well, that was just a, a sermon. I got news for you. The word of God will save your soul. The word of God will deliver you the word of God will heal you. He sent his word and healed them. That's why the devil wants to stop you from hearing the word of God. He said, I prophesied as he commanded me and breath came unto them. I want you to know some of the powerful things I've ever seen have happened while the preaching of the word has been going forth. I've seen some huge miracles while the word of God was going forth. He's here. My friend's here. He's here. What is your friend's name? What is my friend's name? Jesus. Sorry, I don't see Jesus in your what is that about? <laughs> Lift your hands and praise God, will you? <clears throat> Hallelujah. Listen, Jesus gave us the decisive, the indicative litmus test of whether or not someone is a sheep of his pasture. He said it clearly in John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. That is the litmus test of whether you are in the pasture, in the flock that Christ pastures or pastors, Or if you're one of the goats, that when you turn your back, the goat will butt you. But Jesus said the indication of a sheep is, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. I was amazed when I read this no less than four times. The Bible says, Psalm 95, for he is our God. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Second time, Hebrews 3, verse 7, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. The third time, Hebrews 3.15, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And the fourth time, Hebrews 4 and 7, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And it came crashing down to me and I began to think about all the years I've been living for God and I was thinking about some of my friends that right now are going through hell on earth. Now, everybody's going to go through trials. Don't get me wrong. Everybody's going to have fiery trials at some point. But I have noticed that some folks, that when God gave them a word, and they said, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to listen to that. And it was not man's word. It was God's word. I have noticed in every instance that they have gone on to suffer greatly. How many friends I have known who either went through or are right now going through hell because they hid from the voice of God? And when God spoke to them, they said, no, I don't think so. And the Bible says that hardens your heart. Whenever God speaks to you and you do this, your heart gets a little harder. Don't harden your heart. Four times in the Bible, God says, Don't harden your heart. Hear his voice. Don't harden your heart. Hear his voice. Now I come to the conclusion. James never talked much about his days as an army private during World War II. The only time he really opened up was when he visited with his dad and mom. Then James and his dad would chat on the living room couch while James' daughter played with her dolls on the floor and listened. There was one tale that they retold often. One of a, a strange miracle that changed the course of the family's history forever and completely. It happened back in 1944 when James was just 20 years old, stationed in the South Pacific. Meanwhile, thousands of miles away in Baltimore, James' father was sitting by James' mother's hospital bed. She, his mother, James' mother, was recovering from major surgery, drifting in and out of consciousness, James' father wished there was something he could do to ease her pain. It didn't help that both their sons were fighting a war halfway across the world. One son was in England and James was in New Guinea. The mother prayed for the safe return morning, noon, and night even while she was fighting her own severe medical battles. Well, James' dad was flipping through the newspaper one day, skimming the war headlines, when his wife suddenly sat up in bed, her eyes wild, sweetheart, sweetheart, what's wrong, dad said, taking her hand, duck, James, she bellowed, with that she fell back on her pillow, fast asleep again, duck. James? What did that mean? When James' mom woke up an hour later, dad questioned her about it. But she had no recollection of saying anything. So they decided she just had a a bad dream. It was not until several weeks later that dad received a letter postmarked. From the U.S. Army, with James' neat script on the envelope, he tore it open. Dearest Mom and Pop, the letter read, the strangest thing has happened. My unit had been on high alert after reports of enemy troops nearby. I was preparing my equipment for the nighttime attack when I heard a woman's voice Piercing through the silence of the jungle, clear as a bell. At the sound of it, I ducked. Just as a bullet tore past my head, skimming the top of my helmet. You saved me, Mom, James wrote. All thanks to your words that came out of nowhere. Duck, James. James. And I am preaching to somebody who's in spiritual warfare in a very similar way. The word of God is being sent to you. Listen. Love. Thank God for. Obey the word of God. And I close with this one statement from Jeremiah. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I feel the Lord in this place right now. Satan, what are you trying to do? I'm I'm gonna try to separate that person from the voice of God. I'm gonna try to separate her or him from hearing the voice. I'm gonna try to get them to hide from the voice of God. I'm going to make them think that they don't need the voice of God. Oh, no, you're not. My sheep, Jesus said, know my voice. I want you to open your heart right now. If God is speaking to you, I want you just to close your eyes with me, and would you not hide from the voice of God, but would you just reach your hand toward the Lord and say, God, I want to hear every word you say. I never want to be estranged from the voice of God. Lord, when you speak, I want to be one of the first ones that says, Yes, Lord, here am I, like Samuel of old. Here I am, Lord. I surrender my will. I've surrendered my emotions. I've surrendered my intellect. But now I surrender my will. Here I am. I always want to be able to hear your voice. Please don't send me a famine of the word. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God disclosed why he speaks, and the sound of his voice, hallelujah! Oh, yeah, is so sweet. The birds hush their singing, and the melody that he gave. My heart is free. You feel it? He's here And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own And of joy we share. As we tarry there, none other has ever known I'd stay in this garden with Him, though the night around me befall. But he bids me go through the voice of woe. His voice to me is calling and he walks with me and he talks with me. And tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever I can't tell you when I felt any stronger than I feel right now that God is speaking and that God is talking to somebody. Please don't let the devil build a wall between you and the voice of God. Harden not your heart. Somebody said, well, how do you harden your heart? Well, it's the same sun that melts the butter hardens the clay When you hear the word of God, the way you harden your heart is to not listen. Disobey the word of God and your heart gets harder. But if you are one of those like me that values the voice of God, I don't care who you are. You never want a famine of the word. Is there anybody here that's heard anything that's been said and you want to stand to your feet and say, God, when you speak, I want to listen. When you speak, Lord, I want to listen. He speaks and the sound of his voice it's so sweet the birds hush their singing and the melody that he gave me and he tells me I am his own Hallelujah and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known if there's anyone here I'd like to ask you to close your eyes with me is there anyone here that the voice of God is calling you to come and pray you have to be sensitive to the voice just obey the voice of God well preacher I don't know what people would think they might think I'm a sinner (laughs) well I'm a sinner too saved by grace I want to hear that voice. I never want to be the guy that hides from the voice of God. If God's speaking to you, my sheep know my voice, Jesus said. If God's speaking to you, obey his voice. I see what the devil's tried to do in someone's life. He wants to take the voice of God out of your life. But, oh, God, I want to be like Samuel and say, Lord, I hear your voice. Here am I. I want to hear your voice, Jesus. Oh, he speaks and the sound of his voice. Oh, It's so sweet.
1: Hallelujah.
0: The birds hush. They're singing. And the melody that he gave to me. Within my heart is ringing. And he talks with me And he tells me I am his own And the joy we share As yes, we tarry there None other has ever Of God, the voice of God will save you. I want everybody in this building, wherever you are, would you just reach out to God right now? Would you reach out with me right now? I feel something very special. Reach out and touch the Lord as He goes by. You will find he's not too busy to hear your heart's cry. He is passing by this moment, your needs to supply. Reach out and touch the Lord as he. I've seen the faithfulness of God